Welcome to the Aspieland Podcast. I'm your host, John Allen. Come with me on an adventure into the world of Asperger syndrome, also called autism spectrum disorder. Everyone is welcome here, whether you have the disorder or you're interested in learning more about it. We're here to help you understand, share, and relate. We're just about to get started, so come on in. Greetings, I'm your host, John Allen, and welcome to Aspieland, a place where both Aspies and neurotypicals alike can gain commonality and compassion. The idea here is to learn about each other and understand each other so that we can coexist and grow together through great relationships by looking at life through each other's eyes. If you're new to this podcast, you're in a place of acceptance, and I want to help you understand both the Aspie world and the neurotypical world. This episode is called Lost in Translation, and it's all about nonverbal communication and how it affects those of us with Asperger's syndrome, but also how it may affect you who are neurotypical who may not even have the disorder. Before we begin, let me remind you that if you would like to comment on the podcast, and I'd appreciate comments, by the way, please email me at aspieland.org at gmail.com. Let me run that by you one more time. aspieland.org at gmail.com. This is also a good place to send subscription requests or questions if you have any about the podcast. Okay, here we go. When we engage in conversation, we do more than just talk with our voices. We do a substantial amount of our communications as humans in general through nonverbal means, things like body language, facial expressions, or hand gestures and such. Those are just as much and many times more important to getting our message across from one person to another. In the neurotypical world, that is the world most people call normal, this nonverbal communications is learned very early in life. In the first years after you're born, you lean into this nonverbal communication so that you understand simple expressions of happiness, sadness, or anger, or frustration. The neurotypical brain begins correlating facial expression and tonal quality to emotions almost immediately, even when it cannot understand language as such. And since language is unknown, as a baby you don't know how to talk and you don't know how to understand what they're saying, that's the early stage of life. Nonverbal cues and expressions are critical to understanding each other. This nonverbal communications is done by both the conscious and unconscious processes of what are called encoding and decoding. Now, encoding is basically the way we physically express emotions without words. That it is the general use of things like facial expressions, gestures, or postures. One example of this may be when you're feeling happy and you're talking, your brain encodes your feelings and unconsciously tells your facial muscles to smile, which in turn tells the other person how you're feeling without using words. Decoding, which is called nonverbal sensitivity, is the ability to take in another person's encoded emotion, which can come in the form of a facial expression or another gesture, and then interpret its meaning accurately. 
For example, if you're speaking with someone and they're frowning, that may be a nonverbal cue that they're sad, or perhaps they disagree with what you're saying. For those of us who have Asperger's syndrome or autism spectrum disorder, it's the process of decoding that seems to be more of an issue for us. Encoding becomes more of an increasing issue as you are lower functioning in the autism spectrum. So if you're a low functioning autistic, you're going to have more trouble encoding than say someone who has Asperger's syndrome. Now there are many forms of nonverbal communication. They include physical gestures, body language, which is called kinesics, or physical distance, which is called proxemics, and your appearance, your voice tone, your voice pitch, your voice speed, those are all called paralinguistic, and also of touch, called haptics, and the use of eye contact and the actions of looking around while talking and listening, glancing somewhere, staring at something, or how often you blink your eyes, those are called oculesics. Let's begin with paralinguistics. This refers to vocal communication, like tone of voice, loudness, inflection, that's where you put your emphasis in words, and your pitch. Now, we spoke in our previous episode about the use of tone, especially about the pitch of your voice, a high pitch or a low pitch. When you hear someone speak in a strong tone, which is usually a louder tone, you could interpret that as approval or enthusiasm. However, if you hear the same words said in a hesitant manner, you could interpret that as disapproval or even a lack of interest. Here's an example. Someone comes up and asks you how you're doing. Like, how you doing? A fairly simple question, right? Very straightforward. You respond with, I'm fine. But consider that how you say it gives it meaning. For example, a cold tone like, I'm fine, would suggest that you're not really fine, but either you don't want to let them know or you don't want to talk about it. Now, a chirpy or melodic tone like, I'm fine, may suggest that you're really feeling good. Or a slower tone like, I'm fine, may indicate that you're sad or lonesome. Now, let's talk about facial expressions. This category of nonverbal communications is probably one of the most difficult for us Aspies to get a handle on. Interestingly enough, it's also the one form of nonverbal communication that is understood the same way in all cultures. No matter which country you live in, the facial expression for happiness, for example, is understood the same way in every country. Our faces are extremely expressive and are often the first thing you see when someone approaches. And it almost always indicates how a person feels. Even before they've ever spoken a word, they're able to signal countless emotions without any other speech or movements of the body. Now, for those of us who have Asperger's syndrome or autism spectrum disorder, the facial cues can be really hard to read. My wife and I had a very hard time communicating for many years without realizing that the Asperger's was a major part of the problem. Since I couldn't read the look on her face in certain situations, I frequently misinterpreted what she was feeling. And to her, being neurotypical, 
I was being uncaring and unresponsive to her needs. Here are some examples of the three main parts of the face and how they change the way they look when you express feelings. The three main parts are eyebrows, eyes, and mouth. Let's start with the eyebrows. Raised and arched eyebrows means surprise or shock. Lowered and knit together eyebrows indicates anger. If the inner corners of your eyebrows, those are the ones towards the bridge of your nose, are drawn up, that indicates sadness. Now let's look at the eyes. If your eyes are wide open, that could be surprise. If your eyes are intensely staring, that could indicate anger. Or if your eyes have crow's feet, you ever heard of those? Those are the crinkles around the edges of your outer edges of your eyes. That can indicate happiness. Now, in addition to those things, dilated pupils, and pupils are the black part of the eyes. When they're dilated, they become big to let in more light. That can indicate fear or even romantic interest. While rapid blinking might single stress or dishonesty. Let's move to the mouth. A dropped jaw while the mouth is closed indicates surprise. An open mouth would indicate fear or shock. One side of the mouth being raised is an indicator of hate. If the corners are raised up, the outer corners, that indicates happiness. With the corners drawn down, it indicates sadness. Now, you can combine each of those together and make a bunch of different facial expressions, and they all mean different things without saying anything. Here's a couple of others that you can look for. If a person is biting their lip, that usually means they're under stress or anxiety. Or if their lips are pursed together, that's usually distaste. And covering the mouth generally indicates you're hiding something. You're trying to be dishonest, or, or maybe you forgot to brush your teeth. Who knows? Well, for the Aspies in the audience, here's an exercise that can help you learn how to interpret facial cues. Try doing the expressions I just mentioned in front of a mirror when you have some time alone. That way you can see if you're doing them correctly, and you can understand each expression, learning what each one means. Now that could go a long way to helping you communicate to others. Remember that you're not trying to learn how to show how you feel. You're trying to learn to read the feelings of others. For the neurotypical, if you can identify how you're feeling when you find yourself making a face, or if you find your Aspie friend or coworker is looking confused about what you mean, you can help the Aspie learn about correct interpretation of not only facial cues, but any of the other forms of nonverbal communication that I'm going to outline in the podcast. Next are the nonverbal signals that go along with body movement or posture. How you stand tells a lot about your attitude towards yourself and for others. For example, when someone has a posture that is straight up and down, that is erect and straight, you may be sending a message of confidence. And when someone is slouching, that could be an indicator of being depressed or embarrassed or even remorseful. 
Remember that your posture is not only how you stand, it can also be visible when you're sitting as well. If you're talking to someone and the other person is leaning towards you, whether standing or sitting, it generally indicates that they may be sympathetic or acceptant of what you're saying. Now, while leaning away from you can be a signal that a person may disapprove of what you're saying or that a person doesn't like you or has even lost interest and wants to end the conversation. When people sit, there are other signals as well that can be a bit different but are usually related. For example, if a person is leaning back in a chair, it's usually a sign of indifference, maybe even boredom while straddling a chair is generally a sign of dominance or aggressiveness. Gestures, which are called kinesics, are generally things done with your hands or your head and are usually done without thinking. Nodding the head, for example, is usually a sign of interest or approval, while motioning the head from side to side is just the opposite. Other gestures can be with their arms. Some people may wave their arms wildly while being emphatic. That's a sign that they are arguing or that they are angry or attacking. Now, some gestures are very culturally specific. You know the okay sign you make with your hand? That's a widely accepted sign of agreement. Everything's fine here in the United States. That's our sign, more or less. While in other European countries, it's considered to be a profane gesture. For those of us who are Aspies, we need to be careful using gestures without knowing what they mean. So you may want to study up on them or ask a neurotypical to help you understand them. Touch in professional circles is called haptics and can also be an indicator of feelings. Handshakes, hugs, and other touch can be misinterpreted very easily. For the Aspie, some forms of touch will fall into the category of a sensitivity. Now, this could mean that an Aspie may not like being touched at all on any level because it can cause a great deal of anxiety and can even be a trigger for a meltdown in extreme cases. Using the hands in touch can mean several things. Women, for example, generally use touch more often than men when trying to convey concern and can manifest itself by a simple hand on the shoulder or a slight pat on the arm or hand. In men, touch is generally used in a handshake, which in business circles is a sign of agreement or greeting. The more firm the handshake, the more confident and strength and character is conveyed. Hand slapping and the high five those are also considered to be positive gestures and are usually used in like a celebration of some kind. Hugs can be interpreted as everything from a simple greeting or even a parting to a warm way to say, I care or I feel your pain. Now, the length of a hug is another indication and it generally indicates affection. The longer the hug, generally the more affection. For those of you who are neurotypical, Remember that those of us with Asperger's syndrome or autism spectrum disorder live in a high sensory world. So you have to be considerate of an Aspie before you touch them. Try a very slight touch or a well-understood one to see if they have a particular sensitivity. It can also be helpful to an Aspie to tell them with words your feelings as you touch them. 
That helps us understand exactly what you mean and about that nonverbal communication. Okay, our last nonverbal communication subject is about space or proxemics. Most of us have an invisible boundary that we call our personal space. Now for the Aspie, this can be a very limited space because we simply haven't had people around us all the time that much. And as a result, we tend to be protective of our environment. Generally speaking, it's considered that the personal space in a casual situation is between 18 inches and four feet. As an Aspie, it's important to understand that standing right next to someone is not always a good idea, especially if it's on a first meeting or to someone of the opposite sex. Usually, closer proximity is reserved for a more intimate personal relationship. So, for example, you're greeting a coworker, or perhaps you're meeting a potential employer, you may want to stand a few feet away so that you don't appear too aggressive or too close too quickly. Another example is if you're entering into a conversation with people that you'd like to get to know, keep that distance and let the others set the distance for you. As you approach those people, they'll look and notice you as you enter into the personal space. And sometimes they'll just gently stick their arm out a little bit or even use a handshake to set that personal distance. As a neurotypical, you can help someone with Asperger's Syndrome Autism Spectrum Disorder learn respectful distancing by gently pulling them away from being too close or by mentioning it very delicately. You have to remember that those of us Aspies at first take nearly everything we're told as a personal rejection. All the more reason to build a friendship or relationship with someone before you discuss delicate matters. Whew! That's a lot of information in just a short time, and we're already near our time to go for now. Remember that learning these things takes time, so don't get frustrated if you don't catch on to things right away. It'll be well worth it once you learn it. Just take things one step at a time. That goes for Aspies and those of you who are neurotypical and trying to help an Aspie. Well, sorry to say, but it's time to go. Remember, please visit the Aspieland website. Just go to aspieland.org. Don't use the WW at the beginning. There's a lot of good things there. One of the things I would really appreciate is if you would subscribe to Aspieland. It'll put you on the mailing list. And we won't sell you anything. We're not interested in selling anything. We'll just send you a note to let you know when the next podcast is coming up. I would also ask that you would please donate to the work here for both the website and the podcast so that I can keep this very important work that I'm doing running. All that I mentioned is available through the website. Well, so long for now. See you next time in Aspieland. Thanks for listening to the Aspieland podcast. If you like this podcast, pass the word. This podcast is for everyone, whether you have Asperger's syndrome or not, because the more who listen, the better our opportunity to become more sensitive and compassionate, not only to those who have the disorder, but to all humankind as well. Thanks for visiting, and I hope you'll listen again. <laughs>